Hello, and welcome to the CSJ's Beyond Westminster podcast, where we bring you the real stories from across Britain's forgotten communities. Today, we turn our attention to the insidious crime of illegal money lending. In the midst of the cost of living crisis, more people than ever are turning to pernicious loan sharks, with over 1 million people across the UK turning to illegal lenders last year. For many, this is the start of a devastating cycle of debt. Yet sadly, our latest report called Friend or Foe found that only 37% of victims of illegal money lenders seek the debt advice they need to help them climb out from under the heavy weight of debt. And the majority of those who seek debt advice end up withholding crucial information from their advisors about their illegal loans. This week, we discuss why people aren't pursuing the debt advice they need and how debt advice can play its part in tackling illegal lending. Hosting our discussion today is Jessica Prestige, the CSJ's Deputy Director of Policy, along with our guests, Yvonne Vavarg, the MP for Makerfield and Chair of the APPG on Debt, Kath Wollers, the Liaise Manager at the Illegal Money Lending Team, and our resident expert, Matthew Greenwood, the CSJ's Head of Debt and Financial Inclusion. On today's episode, we invite you to go beyond the sensational headlines beyond the surface of the stories, and beyond Westminster. It wasn't till I think we were annoying amount, somewhere around six or seven thousand pounds to them, that things changed. He'd make all sorts of threats to me, break my legs, break my arms, do things to my family, put my windows through, banging on the door late at night. It just wasn't nice. Normal life slips by, and this debt is constantly on your mind. You feel ashamed that you've got there. You feel fear about talking to somebody about it. And the depression was enough for me not to want to live anymore. I was in a very, very bad place. Today we're going to be talking about illegal money lending, which is a complex issue for a number of reasons. With nowhere else to turn, those who resort to illegal loans are highly vulnerable and desperately need effective support. But are they getting it? With the cost of living crisis piling pressure on already stretched debt advice services, how do we ensure this highly sensitive issue is effectively managed on the front line? Matters are complicated by the fact that many victims of illegal money lending fail, at least initially, to recognise themselves as the victim of a crime. Loan sharks aren't all, aren't often even, the nakedly criminal gangsters that might spring to mind, but people who present themselves as friends of the victim. This perhaps begins to explain why just 37% of illegal money lending victims have ever seen a debt advisor, and why many of those who do don't tell their debt advisor about their illegal borrowing. But before we get into the nitty gritty, let's start with the basics. What constitutes an illegal loan and how many people are victims of illegal lending? If I can turn to Yvonne first. Well, and it's obviously an illegal loan is a loan that isn't regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And I, I don't know personally how many victims there are. I don't think actually there is a, a number for the victims because as you've already said, people are quite embarrassed or they don't recognise it's illegal money lending. Certainly telling a money advisor that they have a loan that isn't on the books, as it were, it's very difficult for them. And quite often they keep that secret because that's the one they want to pay. 
when I was a manager at CAB, people used to come in and they said, but, but this, this one here, I don't want that adding to my list of debts because that's to a friend. So I think the, number, the true numbers are hidden. I'm sure the illegal money lending team will uh, know more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I think you've you've uncovered really well um, what a sort of illegal loan is. You know, it's, it's people running a, a sort of consumer credit business without a license from the Financial Conduct Authority. It's a really technical offence. Um, but in terms of the numbers, I think you know, with the CSJ, we we've estimated that we think there's probably about up to a million people in England who are borrowing from a, an illegal lender, and and you know, we've used a, a quite a novel methodology to do that. But it, it is something that I think that's you know very hard to measure and something that um that people often struggle to talk about. And so what what about the kind of common characteristics of people who are affected? Um, what what do we know about them? And, and why do they find themselves in a position where they're reliant on, on illegal borrowing? It tends to be lower income families, tends to be people who have either maxed out all their other borrowing or have a credit history that means they can't borrow from anyone else. Quite often, the ones I met were female in lots of cases, trying to get money basically to feed the family, buy the school shoes. I mean, I used to say it was bumps in the road. I think now, with the cost of living crisis, I think people are actually running out of the road completely and are borrowing for everyday expenses. It was from a friend who was her sister. She seemed quite nice when I first seen her. But then, all the time, I got to know the real Shirley. The kids were moaning, there was nothing to eat. And I never had money to replace what they'd ate. She had then sent me a message saying, if I needed to borrow money, there was money there. And I said, OK, thank you. And she borrowed me £100. And then she'd put it into my bank. She'd said, it was three two five to pay back. And I was quite shocked at what I was paying back just for what I borrowed. All my life I've borrowed, say, £20 and I've paid £20 back, but with this one it was like you borrowed £100 and you paid double the amount back. And you mentioned the, the cost of living crisis. Um, ha- have we seen demand for debt advice services um, increase in, in the post-pandemic period? I think we're just about seeing it starting to increase. It actually decreased in during the pandemic there was a lot of help but we knew there was almost this hidden tsunami that was being held back and i think that is starting to appear now there is a great demand for debt advice the problem is when people see debt advisors quite often the debt advisors aren't able to approach the idea of illegal money lending they're not taught how to ask about that it's a difficult one to approach but the other problem, of course, is actually getting an appointment for people to, to see an advisor. And sometimes they're going to completely the wrong place. Kath, in, in your experience, what's the impact of the cost of living crisis been on the demand for services? I think it's huge. And I think the thing that, that Yvonne's absolutely right on is that we're just starting to see the, the start of it. One of the things that we we know is that it takes one an average of two and a half years to report a loan shark. And that could be because at the start, they may well think this person's their friend. So they've got to go through a process of realising this isn't my friend, this isn't someone helping me out. Then they've got to realise it's actually a criminal offence. They are the victim of a crime here. 
And then they've got to realise that we exist and then they've got to get the, the courage up to speak to us about it. And that, that process is, is lengthy. So I think in a way we won't see the impact of the cost of living crisis maybe for another 18 months. But one of the things we have seen already is maybe a shift in the um, typology of, of people that we're talking to. Um, and again, as Yvonne said, you know, we're seeing people who have borrowed from a loan shark for household bills, for food and fuel. Historically, it's always been kind of one-off expenses that people have gone to illegal lenders for, things like the car breaking down or white goods or school uniform or Christmas. But more and more, we're seeing people saying that they've actually borrowed from the loan shark for food and fuel. She was taking me child benefit. She was taking up to 1600 from Universal Credit. She was taking majority wages. That That's really striking um, and really kind of speaks to the, the hardship that an increasing number of families are facing here. Um, and how do you typically work with debt advice services? So um, we use the advice in a couple of ways. I think it's a really good place for us to get intelligent because it's somewhere that people have gone to talk about money. And I think while it is difficult to have those conversations, the one place that, that is facilitated by that is debt advice because people are expecting to have conversations about finances. So to help that, we try and train debt advisors. Um, and we're looking at two things, really. Knowledge, because you need to know what a loan shark is. You need to know what a victim is and how they may present to the organisation. And then we're looking at confidence because it's not an easy conversation to have. And it's not everybody that it's an appropriate conversation to have with. So you've, you've got to sort of look for early warning signs. And then there's an arsenal of questions, really, that, that you need to ask to make sure this person um, if, if they are in the hands of a loan shark, is helpfully referred on to ourselves. And the biggest thing I think for us is it's not just about signposting. These are the most vulnerable people in society. The nature of the fact they've gone to a loan shark demonstrates that vulnerability. So it's about a warm referral system where that client is supported into contact with ourselves. Um, and then we can talk them through their options. We don't put pressure on anyone ever to give a statement or go to court or come forward on the record. But it's just about us explaining their options so then they can make a decision about what to do next. This kind of point about it being a matter of knowledge and a matter of confidence seems really important. And I know that's something that, um, Matthew, your research has drawn on. Are you able to tell us a bit more about that, please? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really challenging one because, you know, we'd, we'd spoken to, to lots of debt advisors um, before about this and it was something that they, they clearly knew about. And, you know, they knew that uh, an illegal an illegal money lender was someone who was charging interest that wasn't a company that, you know, may make threats. Um, but there, there, there wasn't this, um, I, I guess, sort of, you know, confidence to be able to, to talk about it um, and that, it was sort of felt as if you know for a lot of a lot of clients that was something that that they didn't want to talk about and therefore shouldn't necessarily be approached and so what what we wanted to do was ask advisors what sort of questions uh, they ask and as as we expected you know knowledge was pretty good people people knew what an illegal lender, lender looked like they knew it wasn't you know always going to be some sort of a violent gangster but actually it could be anyone uh, and but but the challenge was that I think only about sixty percent of, of people told us that they would directly ask a client um, whether they borrowed from a from a loan shark, and and typically the less confident they said they felt talking about an illegal lender, the less likely they were to say that they would directly ask about it, and that's obviously a, a real problem because if you don't talk about it, you you put in place some sort of you know debt solution, be that a, a debt relief order or a debt management plan or, or whatever's sort of most appropriate. But if you're paying off someone else in the background that's not inside this this solution, as it were, the solution's not going to work. 
Um, and, and so the confidence thing is the thing I think we've been focusing on on now because having those conversations is, is really important to being able to identify victims and refer them. And kind of thinking about this 60% figure, um, you say 60% of debt advisors would directly ask the question um, whether somebody is borrowing from a legal money lender. Um, Yvonne, thinking back to um, your experience um, with the citizen's advice um, and also your experience as a constituency MP, perhaps, um, what do you think explains that that reluctance to ask the direct question? I think it's because, uh, well, it is a difficult subject to approach. You're actually asking the person, the person feels you're asking as if they've done something illegal, where in fact it's the person who is loaning them the money who is doing the illegal act. So there's some sort of trepidation around that. I have to say, prior to 2010, when I was elected, there weren't as many people going to illegal money lenders at that time, um, but I, it has increased. But I do think it wasn't part of the training in, the, in when I was there, it just wasn't part of training. We knew it went on, but it was kept under cover and almost accepted that some people say, well, I've borrowed from a friend. And you, then you've got to say, well, who is that friend? So it is that probing question, I think, that you go into. Yes, as a constituency MP, we don't actually deal with people's debts, but I, we have had people who've come and said, I think I've borrowed from someone who isn't a friend anymore, and they're charging me a lot of money for it. What can I do? And we do try and send them both to the team or to the local CAB, the council, for help. But at the end of the day, what that person needs as well is it, just the money to survive. Too. You know, I was struggling with money. Things with work were quite difficult with hours and everything. We were in the middle of COVID and she knew that. She'd suggested she could offer me this larger sum of money, but this time it would be interest. I probably knew I shouldn't, but I did because at the end of the day I needed it. And it was as simple as that. Kath, you spoke about the importance of this warm handover um, rather than... Um, the illegal money lending team services being signposted, there needs to be kind of a more direct connection there between the debt advisory service and the services that you guys provide. Um, Matthew, does the kind of work that you've done bear that out? What impact do we expect that to have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the problem with signposting someone to the illegal lending team is that you know, it's all, it's already a really, really hard conversation to talk to your debt advisor about an illegal loan. We know that it doesn't happen that often. And then you say, you know, oh, we'll just go and speak to these people and they will be able to help you. And it's, it's sort of a, you know, you've plucked up all the, the courage and the confidence to have the first conversation. You don't really have any left for the second conversation. And it's a, you know, a new organization, people you don't know. And, and therefore, people just they don't want to keep talking about it. They want it to go away, which is why they were telling a debt advisor in the first place. And therefore, you know, as a result of that, you can signpost someone to, to help, but that doesn't mean they, they follow it, right? It is ultimately, you know, a signpost. It's not a, a delivery. And I think that's why in the report you know, we, were, we were arguing, um, and I think a lot of debt, you know, debt advisors agree, is that what we need to be able to do is directly transfer people and say, you know, we're going to introduce you to these people, um, the, the illegal lending team, and that they are able to help you, um, you know, with, with this and, they'll explain as Kath was saying you know, what your options are you know you're not 
forced to go to trial. You're not forced to, to go on the record because that that's a really scary process for people. Um, I think that a lot of the time people view um, you know, the illegal lending team as the police, right? And going to the police for a lot of people. When you think you've done something something wrong, it is quite a scary thing to do. And so it's important that we're able to directly transfer people so that they have that introduction, that they know that it's something that's actually going to get something solved for them. I think as well, where it works well, it works really well. So as an example, we've got, you know, really um, good relationship with Mexpro Citizens Advice near Doncaster. And on a few occasions, they have actually rang us and said, we've got somebody here. They've borrowed from a loan shark. We believe they've borrowed from a loan shark. They don't want to tell you their name, but they'll come in next Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And I will send one of my team. And as I say, you know, we're not investigators. We're the softer side of the team. And the the member of staff who actually went was an ex-debt advisor who now works for us. Um, And he was able to sit down with them and have that conversation about what this means, about what your options are, about what you can do. And the person then decided they did want to engage with us. They did want to tell us all the details of the illegal lender and it affected an arrest and a prosecution that was successful. And and that loan shark was removed from that community. And that's happened a number of times. Now, I think if that person had been told ring this hotline, they wouldn't have done it. I don't like ringing hotlines and I'm, you know, a a, a professional who works in an organisation where I have to do things like that all the time. And I think it is a really scary thing to do. One of the things that we did during lockdown was we introduced live chat on our website and it's actually seen a massive sort of upsurge of intelligence for us because I think people feel like it's more anonymous because they're typing rather than speaking. I think as well, there's, there's less of a thing about being rude if you shut off a typed conversation than if you hang up on somebody. And I think that just goes to show that it is a big thing to ask somebody to do. So if we can take the edge off that, that's really important. And the other thing on, on that topic is that, you know, I've got 20 staff who are expert at explaining this topic to people, explaining what happens if you take various different options without putting pressure on them at all. We don't expect debt advisors to have that level of expertise for something they may come across once a year. So I think it's much more about getting us in front of them for us to have that conversation with them, which will enable them to then, like I say, make a decision that's not just based in fear and what the loan shark's telling them. So I suppose you're saying that best practice um, happens on a kind of case-by-case basis, but there's a strong argument for trying to standardise this process and, and, and make sure that it happens every time so that people aren't falling through the net. Absolutely. And as you know, as Matthew said, I think a debt solution will fail if there is an illegal lender in the background, because that is the debt people will pay. And it doesn't matter if you say, you know, I know your, your rent or your mortgage is your priority, that's the debt you need to pay. If you've got someone who's knocking on your door at five o'clock in the morning, terrifying the kids, sending you 140 text messages a day and you know threatening to turn up with the lads, then that's the person you're going to pay above the council um, or your housing provider or whoever else. If I miss, like, in the morning, he would just call me. You better come and pay me. If I don't go and pay in the morning, in the afternoon, he would be in my house knocking on the door. And sometimes what happens is, like, if I won't, if I'm not at the house in the afternoon, he came in the evening time when my kids are at home. So he knew that if I might, if I got my kids in my house, I'm fine well, so I would just give him whatever he says. So you know, these people they just find out all your weaknesses and how to get hold of you and they would just spin it out. They would just take advantage of it. And they would just once you got under pressure, you would say yes to whatever they say to them. That's the point. And then they would, they put the money up. And then when you go and confront the dude and remember that day I came to your house, you told me, yes, 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 brother, yes, brother, yes, brother. And that's why that's among came to this. That's not our fault. That's your fault. And they put the blame on you. Thinking about the kind of wider policy landscape here, um, Yvonne, you've been um, banging the drum on this issue for a while now. 
Um, could you maybe talk us through um, why you think it needs to be pushed up the political agenda um, and, and whether you think this is something government is taking seriously? I think it needs to be higher on the agenda. The cost of living crisis, the pandemic, has brought into sharp focus that people who have never struggled before are struggling. And people, they have exhausted their credit or they don't want to use credit or they aren't able to use credit. So they are approaching people whom they think are more friendly. And it, there has been an explosion on different council estates, on, on lower probably in, in estates which have people who are likely to be on a lower income of people going around knocking on doors offering loans and what we need to do is not just education but push it up the government's priorities along with quite a number of things on on the debt front i mean i can still remember i think it was 2012 they they were actually thinking of getting rid of cutting the illegal money lending unit I think we need to make sure that they are absolutely secure and have the staff they need as well, because I don't believe there are enough staff at the moment. That is one of the issues. But it, it does get lost in all the other noise about cost of living and, and debt. But I do think it needs to be put into manifestos as well. We know there's not that long for, the next, for this parliament to last. So we need to be talking to all the political parties to make sure it gets up all the agendas, not just government. And I wonder, to what extent do you think the problem of illegal money lending as a product of kind of lack of affordable credit options um, for, for people on low incomes? To what extent are these two issues um, intertwined? Absolutely intertwined, unfortunately. The financial institutions tend to target the more higher value lenders, the people who can afford to pay it back, which you can see why. Um, and credit unions have got a very uh, strict set of regulations as well that, that uh, mean that they can't always lend. So I think we need to be looking at how people can A, build up a credit record from perhaps paying back their debts so that they can go to a cheaper form of credit when they need to borrow again. And let's face it, most of us throughout our lives have all needed to borrow at some time. It only becomes debt when you can't pay it back. And we also need to make sure that the banks have got a duty to lend to customers who are perhaps their non-traditional customers. They, they should have a duty of care to more vulnerable customers. One of the issues that, that happens as well is that, you know, the average amount that people borrow from a loan shark is £500. That's quite a small amount of money for a bank to lend. You know, it doesn't make the money back on it. It's credit union bread and butter, but it's quite a small amount to lend. And I think the the Yvonne's absolutely right. You know, it's something that would help more mainstream lenders lend smaller amounts of money to people to help them start to build up that credit rating. And there almost to be a sliding scale of where you can go to get credit. Um, I think that'd be a massive help. I think it's definitely true that you know we've seen changes in the the consumer credit market that mean there are just less options. For people on low incomes, you know, a lot of those options were were very high cost. They didn't really work for people, and so that that change um, change happened. But I think it's you know equally fair to say that what we're looking at now is this sort of growing gap in the credit market where there just aren't options for people uh, on low incomes. As Kath was saying, you know, we're look, people are looking to borrow somewhere between sort of you know twenty to to five hundred pounds. It's not a lot of money, and yet there just isn't really anything there to service it. And I think the other thing is that, you know, we've seen time and time again that 
once people, you know, they hit that bump in the road, they find themselves in a sort of difficult um, position repaying the, the money that they owe, they then permanently find themselves in that state because, you know, they're priced at a higher risk because they are a more, more risky client to lend to. And so that cycle continues. It seems that, and it feels that we often see people fall down the credit ladder, um, but we very rarely see people coming up it. And at, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you have a demonstration, a demonstrable record, sorry, of, of being able to, to repay uh, the money that you borrow, you should get better rates. And it just doesn't really seem to happen. And would you agree that um, this needs kind of bumping up the political agenda? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that the cost of living crisis and the, the pandemic have both placed you know, great strain on people's financial resilience. And it's going to do that for a significantly long period of time. People are, are borrowing money now in order to try and keep themselves going during a, a time in which inflation is really high. And that means that they're going to be paying that off for a very long time. And, you know, I think we're talking about a very uniquely vulnerable group of people at the sort of bottom end of the, the, the ladder. And it's just not something that really seems to come up year after year you know the financial conduct authority says oh we're going to to increase the the amount of money the illegal lending team gets but it's not by inflation and so the actual you know value of that money decreases and yet we know that it's a problem now more so than it has been in in the past and for a very long time and and nothing's really really done, done about it the underlying problem which debt advisors have come out i mean step change and cab have both told me that for the first time, really, I think over 40% of their clients who've been to them are actually got a negative budget. They cannot afford to spend the money on essentials. They are choosing between food and fuel. And our, you know, to borrow to actually for essentials is not a long-term sustainable way to live at all, whoever you borrow that money from. We can't see this issue in isolation. It needs to be connected to the kind of wider... Um, macroeconomic um, situation that that people are finding themselves in at the moment. Um, I, I, I completely appreciate that. The person I was speaking to pulled up this page and he said, we can contact the long sharks. I was a bit anxious and nervous. And I just went, yeah. And he rang up and he'd done most of the talking on the phone. I just answered yes or no, that was it. And then I remember the long sharks contacted me. And the support I had often was brilliant from start to finish. So I think everybody's made a very powerful case for the kind of urgency of the issue and the importance of kind of gripping it. Um, and it has already come through a little in the conversation already. But if we turn our attention to kind of the practical solutions, um, the things that could happen kind of in the following weeks and months that would make a material difference to the people that are suffering the consequences of illegal money lending. Um, what, what do we think is going to turn the dial here? I think it's going to be very difficult in the coming weeks and months to turn the dial, um, apart from keep raising it. And I think some of the education needs to be that the people who have borrowed haven't done anything illegal. And that to me is key. Although it's illegal money lending, they, they are a victim. They are not the perpetrator. And I think working as well, we can do more working with local authorities. With are we In Wigan, we've got our own council housing. Working with those teams who are, are on the ground talking to people every day. 
to try and map out where there are hotspots being targeted at the moment. And do you see those hotspots correlate strongly with disadvantage? Yes, absolutely they do. I mean, it is moving a bit. There are, you know, people obviously have, have lived up to their income. If incomes have dropped, it becomes more difficult. But uh, yeah, at the moment, it is areas of dis- more disadvantage. And Kath, from your perspective, what kind of practical changes should we be prioritising um, to, to, to shift the dial here and, and take the pressure off the people that are suffering the consequences of illegal lending? I think, you know, for us, it's it's about getting those conversations going. You know, loan sharks have the most power when there is a taboo around them, where there are, you know, people are afraid to talk about them within a community, external to the community or anything else. And I think, you know, talking to one of my colleagues who's a, a, a former debt advisor, she'd say 20 years ago, they wouldn't have gambling conversations. You know, 15 years ago, they probably wouldn't have conversations about mental health. Even five years ago, they might not have conversations about economic abuse. But now those conversations are had every day with clients across the country. And I think we just need to shift illegal lending into the same category. So that is something that people will ask about and people are confident to answer um, as well. And I think, you know, that, that's about training, it's about conversations, but it's it's just about raising that awareness so that people are aware what this is, um, what the actual offence is, and as Yvonne says, that the people who've borrowed um, are not in any way culpable to blame or anything else. You know, the number of victims I've worked with where they've said, well, I'll pay him off and then I'll tell you who he is because, you know, he helped me out. And this is someone maybe where they've borrowed £2,000 and paid back £26,000 and they still believe he helped me out. And I think until we can shift that mentality and shift it away from, you know, that that's that's what people have to accept, then we're, we're never going to get anywhere. Be honest with people around you because people around you love you and they don't judge you. But there are other agencies out there, even if you just go to the citizen's advice and say, look, this is my financial position, can you help me? There's no shame and there's no embarrassment by asking for help and don't allow someone like that to take advantage of you. I think Kath's right in that we need to just start talking about this a whole lot more. I think, you know, pretty much every day a debt advisor will, will have someone come to them and say they borrowed from a friend or family member. And I think that that comment about a friend needs to trigger a, a further conversation, which is what this friend looks like. You know, when, when we were asking um, uh, debt advisors what sort of questions they'd ask in response to that, the, the one that comes up all the time is what happens if you don't pay. Um, and that gives this perception of an illegal lender as, you know, someone who broadly looks like Phil Mitchell with a baseball bat. And actually, you know, illegal lenders are likely to look you know, far more benign than that, even when they're not. And as a result, you know, one of the questions that people didn't ask was, oh, is this person lending to other people? And if they are, then you're starting to put together this picture of something that isn't, you know, isn't a friend. It is um, a loan shark or an illegal lender. And then you can continue to have that conversation. And so one of the things we've done as part of the, the work we've been doing is put together a sort of framework of questions for debt advisors to be able to use in order to have that conversation. And then, you know, if you, if you tick off sort of several, several boxes of them, you start to think, you know, maybe this is something I need to ask directly about. And, you know, that was never the case with gambling, it was never the case with with economic abuse. It is now, you know, how you have frameworks for all of those things, and I think that's why, in this instance, we need to to treat it like that as well, because we know it's happening far more often, and if we don't talk about it, it's just going to keep bubbling under the surface. And when you were pulling together this kind of um, conversational framework that you you mention, 
um, how did you work with debt advisors themselves? Is, is this something that they welcome and, and you're confident that they will find useful? Yeah, absolutely. So as part of the the work, we were really keen that we didn't want to work in a silo because so often, you know, what's the point of putting out a framework in which everyone immediately sort of points out and says, oh, that that doesn't look quite right or that's not going to work in this instance. And so we sort of set up a steering board of lots of the sort of major debt advice providers. We work with Step Change, with Citizens Advice um, and with with the Money and Pension Service itself and, and some others to be able to to put that to them and say you know is this going to be helpful or do we need to tweak it and i think generally they thought that they thought it was helpful and so you know we're now looking to ensure that that it actually gets used in a day-to-day practice i think that you know kath you've mentioned that that's that's something that you're taking up already yeah absolutely and i think it, it's it's you know it's just it's it's memorable and it, it almost takes the the pressure away from the advisor because if it's a conversation you have every time someone says they have a friend debt it becomes normalized doesn't it and it you're not then assessing this individual and you're not making a decision as to whether you think they could be the victim of a loan shark which can feel pressured in, in and of itself you're following a framework that you've been asked to follow if someone says they have a friend loan and i think the more you can kind of standardize it the easier it becomes for people to have difficult conversations Another thing it feels like that we need to do something about is the standard financial statement. I mean, it's a sort of universal um, piece of paper which allows debt advisors um, to put down you know, what people's incomes are and, and what their expenditure is and all of the individual items uh, within that. And currently, that you know, you don't talk, you don't, you don't add a, an illegal loan to that. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it'll get put down as a, a debt to a friend, but that doesn't really take into account what it actually is. And so as a result of that, sometimes the conversation isn't had because it's not something that ends up on the the sort of formal piece of paper, as it were. Um, And it feels as if adding uh, an illegal loan in some shape or form to the standard financial statement is is an obvious step to prompt people to have those conversations. Because if it's not, you know, investigated, then it can't, then you haven't filled out the standard financial statement correctly. And I think that that that's an obvious one, but one that requires a bit of a, a push to get over because once it's there, you have to have those conversations. Thank you so much. That's that's um, really interesting and a really kind of practical, tangible change that um, would, would have an impact for sure. Thank you all for a really interesting but concerning discussion, um, which has shone a light on how difficult the issue of illegal money lending will be to address, as well as the importance of doing so. Uh, we've heard things are likely to get worse before they get better, with the cost of living crisis mounting pressure on household budgets and already stretched um, debt advice services. And we've discussed the reasons that vulnerable people continue to fall through the cracks. The practical steps set out by the CSJ to resolve this, described by Matthew today, um, are a matter of increasing urgency, and it's an issue we'll certainly continue to campaign on. But for now, thank you, and see you next time. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our channel for more interesting content like this, and follow us on Twitter at CSJ Think Tank for more updates.